Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading this morning is Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk in the rest, as the rest of the Gentiles walked, in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. You may be seated. God is good all the time. You've probably heard the old Cherokee story of the young boy who came home after being wronged by another kid, and he said to his grandfather, he said, I'm just so mad. I I, I really just want to I don't know, I just really want to go hurt this kid for what he did to me. The old Cherokee grandfather, he said, son, within each of us are two wolves. One wolf is the one of hatred, revenge, anger, malice. The other is the wolf of love, compassion, happiness, and peace. And the grandson asked him, he said, he said, grandpa, which one wins? He said, the one that you feed the most. We have within us, I think, two natures. You have that nature that is inclined to the flesh and you have that nature that is inclined to the righteousness of God. And these two realms are in conflict. If your Bible's open to Ephesians 4, if you're using a pew Bible, page 1799, we see this pointed out explicitly. Verse 22 that Billy Joe just read, put off concerning your former conduct the old man. So there's the old nature. Now you look at verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created and according to God. So you have this old man and this new man. The old we're to put away, the new we are to put on and adopt. But yet, what's so difficult about this is that we have received this newness while still existing in the oldness. And so we find ourselves sometimes at war with ourselves. Paul put it this way when he wrote to the Corinthians. He said in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 and 19, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. In verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do it, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Picture this. Paul was this guy who was very zealous for God. 
He was on his way to Damascus so that he could round up all those who belonged to the way. And while he was on the road to Damascus, a bright light shone and he's blinded. He hears the voice of Jesus. He has previously already held the cloaks of those who stoned Stephen to death and heard the sermon that he preached and even saw him look to the heavens and declare that he sees the heavens open and the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. And he says, Father, do not lay this to their charge. So he's seen what Stephen did. Maybe that's something that was on his mind. Now he's blind and he hears the voice of Jesus. Then he goes to the house of Ananias, who then, in the name of Jesus, restores his sight. From there on out, he received the Holy Spirit, and he is able to perform wonders and miracles. Paul was dedicated to the gospel, to spreading the gospel. And in his dedication, he was often abused, shipwrecked, beaten, ran out of town. And on a few occasions, his life was sought after. This is a guy that is as close to God on earth as what any of us could ever hope to be. And this guy says, I struggle. The things that I want to do, I wind up not doing. The things that I don't want to do are the things that I do. So I think we find ourselves in some good company because maybe you're like that too. How many of you throughout the week sometimes just feel like giving up. You've got a certain temptation that you deal with and sometimes you do well. You pray, you read your scriptures, you resist the temptation, but sometimes you're not that strong. Sometimes you've had a bad day, your temper's short, and you fall into it again and, and, and you go once more to the Lord and you say, it's me again. You know that thing I asked forgiveness for Last week, I've done it again. And you just feel rotten. Because you know that if, if you had to chastise somebody for something they did, and they kept doing it, and kept coming back and going, I did it again, I'm sorry. You know how you would take that. Well, I really don't think you are sorry. You keep on doing it. Right? That's kind of how we would look at it. But it's good that God doesn't look at us the way that we look at one another. That he is compassionate and kind and willing to forgive us. So in this passage that we have, we're going to observe a few things. And the first is that in chapter 1, and I'm, I'm drawing this together from various passages in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, the one thing that we see is that the newness has dawned. Chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all. The resurrection was a game changer. We, we now have a, a new reality, somewhat of a new creation, we being those new people in Christ Jesus. But this newness exists amid the old creation that's still ruled by the evil powers. 
Chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, we share in this newness. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only has a newness come, but we participate in this newness. And there are several passages where Paul uses this idea of a new creation. Chapter 2, verse 10 is one in which he says that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Now, another that we see is chapter 3, verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. And one final one, chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which God was created, excuse me, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So newness is done. We share in that newness. The church is the newness. But chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the old still rules. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works and the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. So with the resurrection, the newness has dawned. We who have obeyed the gospel share in that newness. All of us together who have shared in that, the church, uh, that is that newness, but yet here you have the old that still rules. It's kind of like, here's what I think about. Like uh, several years ago, my father-in-law had a leaky valve. Is that right, S Stephanie? A leaky heart valve, something like that. So he had to have it replaced. And okay, so he goes under uh, uh, this surgery, this procedure. They put in a new heart valve. And now he's got a piece of newness in him, but it's still the old, same old guy, right? It's kind of like some of you folks that have had hip and knee replacements. You didn't know you could break dance as well as what you can now before you had it, right? Oh, that's Church of Christ. We don't do that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we have this new nature, but we still have this old body living in this old world that, that, that is being driven by the powers that be. Chapter 6, verse 11. Paul mentions how these powers seek to undermine the church's well-being. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the old realm is enticing you and me to sin, but the new is united in Christ. And it's this whole thing, we, we say it often, we are in the world but not... Uh, we are in the world, but not... Okay, you've read that passage too. And it's, that's the aim, but sometimes that's not always the reality. 
Because we have been used to being in and of the world, it's kind of hard sometimes to divorce the two and, and to be solely of the Spirit, which is what the Lord wants. So how can I best do that? Well, in verses 25 through 32 in Ephesians 4, Paul gives us somewhat of a roadmap. And he does this by contrasting two different points of view. Verse 25 Therefore, put away lying and let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor. Okay, there's the, the, uh, uh, the, the dichotomy there. Okay, you can lie, but because of this new creation, speak the truth. Now, I know sometimes we try to spare people's feelings and, and uh, you know, you might let a little lie slip because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Um, you know, it's like, Stephanie learned very early on, if she didn't want to know how I thought she looked, don't ask. I didn't know husbands were supposed to lie about that. But I was raised a good Christian boy, you're not supposed to lie. How do I look? Meh. How do you think that went? Johnny Miller, that wasn't the best response. I'm like, well, you asked. I mean, don't you want to know? If you ask, that's what I would think. I mean... It's like when I ask her things, I expect the truth. She's a lot nicer than I am, apparently. And uh, so, okay, that's a silly example. But, you know, speak the truth. You know, we don't need to get into the habit of trying to coddle everybody's emotions and feelings because the truth is going to hurt their feelings. And it may, it may sting for a second. But one of the things I try to do, whenever somebody says something to me that just stings, I try to step back and go, okay, is there any validity to what they said? And if there is, okay, rather than just, right, I want to immediately be defensive. You, you do too, I'm sure. Rather than immediately being defensive, let's just go, well, uh, okay. Let's take that under consideration. Let's see if there's any truth to it. So put away lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. The next part goes, for we are member of one another. So because of our unity, because of who we are as the body of Christ, we're members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. It is possible to be angry and not sin. And there are some things that should make you angry. Some people say, I'm a lover, not a fighter. There's no way you can be, because if you love something, you will fight for something if it's ever threatened, or if it's ever under assault. Sounds nice as a movie line, but it's just not working out in reality. So it is possible to be angry and not sin. And there are things that we should be angry about. When others are abused, when others are done wrong, uh, when there are injustices, these are all things that are worth being angry over. But yet there's a way to handle that anger. And there's a way that you shouldn't handle that anger. You don't go destroying cities and towns because of a perceived injustice. You work to try and make things better. And I like how he follows this up. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. That's a, a nice principle that Stephanie and I try to apply in marriage. You know, believe it or not, you know, what you may think, we are not the perfect couple that has it all together. Um, she has more together than I do, but we do disagree. But we have this one rule, do not let the sun go down on your anger. All right, we're going to resolve it, and we're not going to go to sleep until it's resolved, because that's just not the way to live life. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You know, the more that we are angry over something and the more that we hold on to that, it can lead us to the point of sinning. And Paul says, don't do this. Don't let this come into your life. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Now, depending on who you were in the ancient world, there's a lot of poor people. And so a lot of them, it's kind of like Aladdin. Y'all have seen that cartoon, Aladdin. What'd that boy do? What'd Aladdin do? He went around kind of pickpocketing this, that, and the other. Well, don't be like Aladdin, you know. Don't do that. The kids understand that reference. Some of you may as well. Um, but rather, instead of being a thief, work. And then when you work and you have a little excess, you give to the one who is in a pitiful state as well. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I love those people who say something along the lines of, well, it needed to be said, or people just need to hear the truth. And really what they're saying is, I was hateful in what I said a moment ago, and here's how I justify it. Uh, not everything needs to be said. There are some things that are, you know, but if you're going to say it, be nice about it. Don't let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Pretty tall order, but a lot of it you can go, yeah, I can, I can do that. And sometimes the, the two realms at conflict within us, we have certain things in our life that may incline us more to one than to the other at any given moment. And the hard thing to do is to stay focused on the Lord, to not let go of Jesus, just like when Peter was commanded to walk on water. Can you imagine? Late one night, and they're all in the boat, and someone's walking to them on water, and, and they call out, and Jesus says, fear not, it is I. And Peter said, Lord, command me to walk to you on water. And he did, right? And we would all do that. You know, Lord, tell me to come to you through this marvelous thing. Could you imagine, though, if Peter had actually made it all the way to Jesus? I mean, we know Peter was imperfect, but we also know that sometimes Peter, bless his heart, right? He'd have got back to the boat. He'd be like, see what I did, guys? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm more spiritual than you. I walked on water, came right back. I mean, I could see that being Peter. I could see it being me. Did y'all see what I just did? Jesus commanded. I did it. Bet you didn't do it, though, did you? Uh-huh. There it is. But that's not what happens. He's walking on water, and you have the rush of the waves. You have the, 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 the wind that's blowing, and he's, he's sidelined by this. He begins to sink into the water. And as he's sinking, he does what we all do when we're sinking. We stick out our hand, and we cry out, Lord, save me. And so the Lord does. But then 
he addresses the heart of the matter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Sometimes we, found that we find ourselves in a position of doubting when we should always find ourselves in a greater position of faith. Many people have different struggles. One of the struggles of mine of late, and I'll just go ahead and maybe this is therapy, I don't know. But not so much for myself, but maybe for someone else who, who, who would need to hear this. I've told you before that over the years, uh, I have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, the best way I can describe an anxiety attack is, you know when you're driving somewhere and you almost have a wreck and you have that momentary burst of like, ex not excitement, but almost like a, an adrenaline rush? Well, you have that for a moment when you just about have a wreck. An anxiety attack is that feeling that can last for minutes or hours. And it's this state of fight or flight or freeze. And so that's something that I've dealt with off and on over the years. And uh, here lately, I, I have named my anxiety. Uh, his name is Walter. Don't read anything into that. But I'll tell Stephanie, I'll say, I'll say, Walter's pestering me today. You know, and, you know, I've gone to a therapist and I've I've sat down and we've I, like, I want to know why I have this monkey on my back. Why can't I get this thing off? And what we discovered uh, through uh, uh, therapy is it's a result of some childhood trauma. Uh, I've told you guys as well that when I was a kid, uh, my mother, I was about two years old and she took a little bit of our clothes to work with her every day that week. And that Saturday, my Aunt Judy, her eldest sibling, came to pick us up, and she said, I'm going to take Stephen shopping uh, for the day, and okay, well, we left because my father hit my mother. She lived in an environment of domestic abuse, and it was hard for her, as it is for many women, to leave those situations because they may not have the support system. And then from memory about four years old to nine years old, I was telling Bree about this yesterday. I had this aunt, she's deceased now, uh, Aunt Teresa. She had this boyfriend that she lived with. Doug was his name. Doug and Teresa were the cause of a lot of traumatic moments when I was a kid. I saw things that kids should never see. You know, I saw grown men. Now, I grew up, I love watching wrestling. Y'all know what wrestling is, right? Some of you do. Breath the Hitman Hart was my favorite. Hulk Hogan, yeah, he was fine. But I love Breath the Hitman Hart, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, you know. Um, but when you see two grown men duking it out, that's scary. And then you hear the women screaming. Now, there is a certain scream that a woman will make when she's panicked. And anytime I hear a noise akin to that, it just sets me on edge. So there are a lot of things that happen. And so when you're a kid, you're helpless. You can't do anything about these circumstances. And so you, you get into this position. And as an adult, whenever there's a perceived threat, you've got one of three things to do. You can freeze, you can run from the threat, or you can stay and fight. Now, uh, when you try to draw near to the Lord and follow his commandments, 
fighting is not the way to handle it. And for someone who in my late teens, early 20s, I would stay and fight, you know, it's no longer the correct course of action. So you have faith and you have, in my case, anxiety. Now, which do you feed? There are things you can do to keep the other one at bay, but you know what? Do not let go of faith. God can get you through, and you may have to see medical specialists. You may have to see uh, a therapist, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I know many people that deal with anxiety, with depression and mental illness, and for the longest time, it's been very stigmatized, and it's been stigmatized because people don't understand. If you've never been there, the worst thing you could do is go, I'll just cheer up. Oh, gee, thanks. I wish you'd have said that sooner. Man, I've got the answer. I'm just going to cheer up. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you know, for people that deal with mental illness, there is a level of embarrassment that you deal with it because you're embarrassed because you think you're weak. And nobody likes to feel weak, especially those that project strength. If anyone were to ever find out how would they look at me? But what is the hymn that we sing? I am weak, but thou art strong. So what is your point of contention between your two realms? Right? There's the desire to be righteous and holy and to follow the Lord and do what He is, but yet here's this monkey that you have on your back. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a mental illness or something else. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. He said, A messenger of Satan was given to me to torment me. And I asked the Lord three times to take it away. And He said to me, my grace is sufficient. And so Paul said, now that I look and see the sufficiency of the Lord, I realize that this thorn in the flesh that I deal with, I can deal with because of the grace that God gives me to get through it. Maybe you deal with some thorn in the flesh too that plagues you, that sometimes even takes your heart and mind away from God. Remember the sufficiency of His grace but remember also to stay in the fight. Keep nurturing your faith. Keep praying. Keep reading scripture. Fasting if that's what you wish to do. Whatever you can do to keep in the fight, to keep your eyes on Jesus, do that as much as you can. And don't feel ashamed. It doesn't make a person weak because they go through things. No one would ever say that a combat veteran who struggles with mental illness is weak. They would say, that guy's been through something, or that girl's been through something, and it has really, really left a mark. And sometimes the worst scars that a person has, you don't see. They're invisible because of the trauma that they've been through and that they've lived through. So with these two realms in conflict... The good news is we know which realm prevails. And it is not the realm of this world and all of its problems. It's the realm of the new world that God has created for us all.
Will you pray with me, please, as we close? Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, for the beautiful sunshine, for the love and the grace that you give us, though undeserving we are. Father, I pray that you will be with all of us, each as we face our trials and as we deal with personal difficulties, some of which friends and family may know, some of which nobody may know. Bless us with your grace. And if we are one that another has entrusted their secrets or their concerns with us, help us to be as supportive as we possibly can. And Heavenly Father, for any who has a struggle that needs help, my prayer is that they would seek the appropriate help they need. All of us have sought the help of you to give for us what we cannot obtain for ourselves, forgiveness, mercy, salvation, You attend not only to the needs we have spiritually, but we pray now for the needs that we may have physically. Bless the brethren. Bless us to be a light to those who are lost. And help us all to become that new person that we've been recreated as in Christ Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to have our song of invitation. It's always an opportunity. For anyone who wishes to obey the gospel and put on Christ in baptism and confess him. But I also want to add, at least for this one, if you're one of those ones who have a struggle and you want the prayers of your brothers and sisters, you don't have to tell us specifics. You don't have to go into any detail. We are here to pray for you and we're here to support you however we can. Many of us may be more beholden to the newness, but some people still struggle with the oldness. So let us minister to you, and you can come forward as we stand together and sing.